What's up, Analysis listeners? Thanks for coming back in and picking up our conversation where it left off with Big Fat Modern Musicals in the 70s. This episode will be with the same exact conversation starting in the 80s and going all the way up until 2019. We hope you enjoy. As always, don't forget to like and subscribe, and thanks for stopping in. Enjoy! Love is like oxygen. Love is a many splendid thing. Love lifts us up where we belong. All you need is love. All you need is love. Love is all you need. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved. It's wretched. How does she? Oh, no, no, don't sing. It's okay. You know, let's just walk. Will all the dancing Hitlers please wait off stage right? And all the singing Hitlers off stage left? Well, let's float off into the sky in our Corvette into the 80s. Before we leave in the in the Corvette, um, there was this thing going around the internet about Greece recently that was that Danny and Danny that they died. Did you hear that internet thing? No, but it is kind of a weird ending. It's surreal how they float off at the end. That right? they go up. You think that that it's them and that did they get on the Shake Shack at I... the end and they fall on that time? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you should edit this out. But it was sort of like that they're dead and that that whole thing that they were thinking about was a memory. And I don't know. It was this huge conspiracy I mean, theory I that was going it. on. I anyway, so let's uh, so we theory. so we'll um, go on to we'll the 80s. Away. We'll 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 dance down the Shake Shack with our little shimmy or we'll walk down the bleachers with wobbling sh- our yes. knees like, yes, Danny. Just like Danny and we'll go to the 80s so the 80s starts off with the Blues Brothers and Fame yes. I don't really have a lot to say on okay. these Blues Brothers is a classic Blues Brothers is but, a classic uh, Carrie just, Fisher is incredible in mm-hmm. that film Aretha Franklin love the musical performances and and the Jake and Elwood yeah, we're here on a mission from God yeah I love... Maybe for another day. Yeah. But yeah, it's fun blues. Fun, fun you know. movie. You love... What did you say? You love... I loved the musical performances in that. And also, you know, for all of the whiteness of Greece, there was definitely yes. a lot more... Blues Brothers is much more... Inclusive, but yeah. So I loved it. would have been... It would have been an absolute travesty if they did something called Blues Brothers and just had all that <laughs> Well, you would think. It would be like. You would think. It would be like in Back to the Future where they say Johnny B. Good was actually written by Michael J. Fox, a white man. Like oh, it's, you know, God. Like white people can't claim everything. No. So, Blues Brothers, shout out to Blues Brothers. We go on to 82 with Annie. Uh, Sun will come Tim out tomorrow. Curry, Tim Curry, Tim once Curry once again saves it. Saves it. Carol Burnett. Carol Burnett is, a, is, is the greatest part of that film. It has a lot of talent in there. But the film is not good, in my honest opinion. Yeah. I've seen the, the stage production many times with assorted children, and uh, I, I the the characters that do Easy Street 
the character names are eluding me now, but it was played in the film by Bernadette Peters and Tim Curry. Um, they're, you know, those are the best characters. And Miss Hannigan, I mean, she totally runs off with it. I, I, I don't even yeah. want that little kid to come back on the screen. Get out of here, little kid. <laughs> it's just, it's too precious for me. I just, I can't handle it. I, I just, I'm an, a curmudgeon. Oh. So, yeah. We've been spending the last eight years watching sexy sexiness. <laughs> we don't want. I just these feel like kids. it doesn't. I just feel like no matter who you cast in that role, because they've tried redoing it a couple of times in film. They did it. They did they it did recently. A, 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 a one with Jamie Foxx. Yeah. It uh, just always yeah. ends up being. Uh, overly sincere and I think it's just the way the material's written that you know these little kids from the street oh they're so adorable and it's like no I just I'm not getting that feeling so I I definitely prefer it on the stage I don't think it goes well to film which obviously that film flopped as did the new one um Mm -hmm. I just I don't I just it's not my thing Carol Burnett though honestly it, it without I, it's she's fabulous it, fabulous character actress who just just kills it delivers the kills goods. it yeah. yeah so good and Albert so. Finney is a brilliant actor I mean it's so beneath mm-hmm. him Warbucks. it's so beneath him to do that film and Anne Ranking <laughs> is the secretary and she's the rom- his romantic interest I think and she's a she's a Tony Award winning Bob Fosse dancer, and it's like she's totally wasted in this film. I just yeah, no, I say John no. Huston directed that. I you know I that? can't even say what was going on there. He must have just I don't even know what was happening. I <laughs> John Huston. But the Houston, world got more Tim Curry. The world got it, oh god. It got there's more not Tim Curry, enough. Which there's is not enough. Not in enough my Curry. Opinion. So yeah, so. And I was interested, I, I know that you don't want to spend a lot of time on this because we're going to go on forever. That's fine. But um, did you actually watch Fame or no? No, I've never okay, seen Fame. I've don't, only, I've, don't. I've seen the reference to a billion times of the pulling of the string in the water. And yeah, everything. don't, don't watch That's more it. of a, again, did not the 80s well. seems to, the 80s seems to be more of, like we said, Cabaret is more of, there's not a lot of numbers that stick out to you, but it's more of the, the, the musical dancing numbers. The 80s seems to really mostly just be about the dancing as well. Fame, yeah. dancing, and then we can transition into Footloose, yes. which is 84, okay. which... which is, again, there's Kenny Loggins yeah. and... and the... <laughs> okay. It's Footloose. I, okay, I am I, going to be honest with you. I watched Footloose for the first time last week for this podcast. Oh. Because... I watched it today for the first okay, time. Okay, so you had so not seen one it of either. Us... Okay, no. so I just want to start off by saying... That I laughed my head off from beginning to end of this Footloose Just movie because how absurd it when is. When people say to me when I tell them two things, and people might turn off this podcast when they hear me say this, but I've never seen Dirty Dancing, and I've never oh, okay. seen You're Footloose. And when person. I tell people I've never seen Footloose, you would think that I was telling them. That I've never, you know, I any, think yeah. of anything. I've never seen Star I, what, Wars. Yeah, yeah, I mean anything. So they get so incensed that I've never seen Footloose. So I thought, well, this is my chance because I can talk to you about Footloose. 
I was laughing so hard at it's, this movie that I can't believe that people actually went for this. I mean, I don't even know. <laughs> it's got a lot of stars in it's, it. It's uh, got Kevin, Kevin Bacon, Bacon, John Lithgow, John Lithgow, Sarah Jessica S- Parker. SJP, she was Chris Penn. Chris, okay, I'm gonna. Who's jacked up in this movie? He's, got, he's, in, good he's in good shape, and I thought he was one of the best parts. But well, something I found out later was that he actually, typically, that character knows how to dance, but Chris Penn, the actor, didn't yes. know how. So they decided to build in the fact that he he's learning as the movie's going on. So he's learning as that movie as they're shooting chronologically. And I, I. Lo- I loved his I I that I don't know how to his say it. Arc. He was very earnest. His his performance was very earnest. It could have been a throwaway and I think Chris did the most with what he had. I Diane Weist and her quietness it, it had a level of acting in there. I don't know where she reached Lithgow's out. actually he's, he's he's absurd but he's he's, he's actually very a good, good performance. Yeah. And then Kevin is good. Total direct ripoff of uh, Rebel Without a Cause, but Kevin was good. I just, I was laughing so hard and I realized that it's a small rural town. I keep telling myself, small rural town, but it could not be any whiter. I mean, I, if you were to define a stereotype of a white male dominated thing, when that man is on, they're having that chicken run on the tractors, and he mm-hmm. reaches behind and turns on his speaker. He turns on, I don't know, Kenny Loggins. Yeah. To why race. Not? To... <laughs> and I'm thinking, it's like... what what is happening here? <laughs> why is Kenny Loggins in every frame? <laughs> I mean, it's he's. You are a, yeah. an American white male. Like, would you go to a showdown and turn on Kenny Loggins? I mean, I'm... Yeah. You would? Yes, I would. <laughs> it's so funny how you just, you're realizing just in the wake of all of this Oscar so white and everything, all the conversation we've had the last 10 years when you go back and watch this it's stuff. It's embarrassing. You're like, oh, there's not a single... Like, what did black people, they just went and watched stories about white people back I, in the 80s. It's embarrassing. Like, that's just what happened. I'm... You just had to watch... Honestly, people. I'm going to say something. I, there are more, I, 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 it's, it's embarrassing. And that's really an understatement for entire giant groups of people not being represented. I mean, it's. It, well, and then it's also, it's also kind of funny and tragic because, you know. It's shameful. Just as a group, like the, you know, that culture really likes to dance. It, and, and I mean, I'm not trying to to be close-minded here, but it's a, it's generally a group of people that's known for having a skill around rhythm and dancing. And here's a movie that's all about <laughs> dancing, but it's just in in its in, in an old cliche is that white people don't know how to dance. So what we found the ten people in the country that know how to uh, dance and made I'm a movie about them. To you. This is what I'm saying to you. It's you know the the line in. Um, and when Harry met Sally, when he says, we'll do the white man's overbite, the white man's overbite. and he's dancing yeah. like a white person. And then you've got this whole movie that glorifies 
dance and at the end when they have their senior prom and they're in that line dance and these people like they found one guy in Minnesota that can do the robot and I, I I'm thinking oh my god I'm embarrassed for all of you and I'm embarrassed for the American public thinking that this is a classic film of the 80s it's yeah. sh- it's shameful but I when he turns around and turns on that song, I'll be a hero, whatever that song is that's playing on his on his giant speaker when he's riding that Turn, tractor, yeah. I couldn't breathe. I was laughing so hard. I've never heard so, so much whiteness in yeah. my life. Uh, so yeah. Kevin, who had just done Diner, I mean, he was in Animal House. He was this little kid that was doing really cool movies. And then he goes and he dances in this barn. And another thing I wanted to know is how much of him was actually him and how much was the stunt Kevin. Was the stunt stunt dancer, which is You know probably, when he's, okay, the other part. 80-20 splits. The other part that I wrote down is, okay, they're in this rural town in Minnesota or whatever. Who's got the gymnastics team? Did you have a did you hit? Yeah. I got cut. I got <laughs> no, no. cut from the gymnastics team. My gymnastics team. <laughs> yeah, you got uh, cut. The guy goes by. The Thunderbirds ride the premise, by. The Thunderbirds the ride by alone. in their car, and they say, "You got cut from the from the gymnastics team, you big loser." <laughs> loser. As if anyone's paying attention. Even if you have a gymnastics team, that it would be something people talked about. But, As they're driving by, uh, they're yelling it out the window. Nerd. Uh. <laughs> Was did you have a gymnastics team in high school? Maybe you did. I don't think a so. A men's I think it was gymnastic team. Maybe I don't. I honestly don't think we did. I don't think we did. But and yeah. I'm telling you, you wouldn't humiliate Kevin Bacon for falling off the parallel bars. So I just no. I can't. And I know I didn't see it at the time it was released because I remember my friends and I went to see. Flashdance, and then Footloose came out more like, come on, this oh, is just Flashdance. This is Flashdance is what I was thinking of. Fame is a completely different movie. Sorry, I'm now I'm no I'm fame is about I mean, the school of the performing arts in New York City. Yes, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, okay, I, th- I was thinking about Flashdance, but no, I haven't seen. It okay, either. so okay. Flashdance is basically just Footloose only with girls, and so, okay. but anyway. Um, when we get into the 80s, what happens is, and I could tell you a long story about when we first saw MTV, but MTV and music videos literally took the film industry hostage. And so anything that was musical that came out in the 80s would be like watching an extended video and it was promoting soundtracks, musical pop soundtracks, which explains the Kenny Loggins. And yeah. when Footloose came out, Kenny Loggins would release a single, and then the, the video would go on MTV, and it would be Kevin Bacon. Because who wants to look at Kenny Loggins? No one. So they would look yeah. at... Yeah. This makes total yeah. sense, because it's so barren after the 70s, basically after Greece, there's really not a lot for us to talk about. You have a Blues Brothers, which has kind of had a built-in audience already. Yes. And then, and then Annie, who cares, Footloose, and then that's basically it. So yeah, that makes total sense that they would basically build it around, around uh, music videos. video vibe. And then they would, everything would just be these little vignettes that then they would chop them up and they would release them as videos on 
MTV and every oh. every film that was looked at as being remotely musical would have of course the soundtrack that, and they still do that but the soundtrack that went along with it but it was like you were looking at an extended video that's what it that's what it seemed like Interesting. yeah except for i'm gonna say there are exceptions like the wonderful little shop of horrors which i loved and i watched it mm-hmm. rewatched it and i i Loved that, and that's Ashman and Mencken, which went on to do the Disney, which we can talk about at another time. But yeah, um, but Little Shop of Horrors is fun. I we'll we'll just touch on it just quickly here. So Little Shop of Horrors, Rick Moranis, whatever uh, happened was to just him, all the hotness. Yeah. He did everything. Whatever. Ha- His wife died, and he basically just uh, retired and mourned and grieved. Really, uh, that's that's what happened to Rick Moranis. Oh I didn't my mean to, god, I didn't know to bring that. a downer in the. You know what? I didn't know uh, that but, because as I was watching, I said to Terry, I said, he was in everything. I mean, he did a lot of stuff in the 80s. He did and, this yeah. and he was in those Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I mean, he did he a was lot. all over the place. And then he just, oh, he was so cute. Yeah, yeah that he was so, good in that. That was a good movie. And then Steve Martin. Yeah, Steve Martin. That had a great stole cast. Stole it, stole it. And then Alan mm-hmm. Green, who played the role on Broadway, and a lot of great character actors. Christopher Guest is in it. Bill Murray's in it. Uh, John Candy does a great cameo as a um, as a radio king of the cameo, king of the cameo. And I'm telling you, when I watch that scene, I know it's all improv. And Rick Rick Moranis's face is like, where is he going to go with this? And I'm pretty sure <laughs> Bill Murray's was improv too. But um, that movie was. That was a true musical of the 80s that from beginning to mm-hmm. end followed the true musical theater to film thing. So that suddenly oh, so good. And then that song, Somewhere That's Green, is basically part of your world in Little Mermaid. It's kind of the same oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. So um, so that was like the 80s, I'm telling you. It was 80s, pretty barren, man. But I can I just say really quickly because I know this is Go a long ahead. time. But in there were films in the seventies and eighties that came out that that also were um, influential. But like I said, were more clicked into the video. And so it was concert film like Woodstock and the Last Waltz, Martin Scorsese, brilliant film documentary, um, which would it. it that was in the late 70s. But um, Purple Rain. Now, Purple Rain was not on our Ooh. list. But that had a tremendous soundtrack. And also, they cut a lot of that movie up and made it into videos. But, um, yeah, that was a huge thing in the 80s, Purple Rain. and But didn't follow that musical theater formula. It was more... Um, of a soundtrack. Same with um, True Stories with uh, David Byrne, which I'm sure you haven't seen. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, most films were geared toward MTV in the 80s. That's my lesson for today on the 80s. I've, I feel like I've learned something and you learn something new every day. We'll keep cruising farther north into the sky in our Corvette. <laughs> With Olivia and, and John, Travolta, John Travolta, who might be dead, but we're not really sure. But, 
<laughs> we're gonna pass through the 90s because there's not really much happening besides disney and we already prefaced our conversation saying we're oh. doing disney at different times so most of the 90s was dominated by disney there was robin hood men in tights which was mel brooks and was a lot of fun and dave chappelle got his his big break in there as a chew yeah hey it worked in blazing sandals right oh, uh, so yeah. he he dave chappelle was in that and, and i did not know Richard. that because i've never seen that movie but i do know that my not so secret Carrie boyfriend Ellis. was a carrie mm-hmm. was and he wasn't yeah he wasn't um he was wearing tights which was exciting richard lewis yeah so you know just just a, so just did a they, they sang in that was it yeah. Was it kind of like Spamalot? Was it kind of yeah, like Spamalot? Yeah, it's spam-a-lot? very Spamalotty. Yeah, the the songs were were kind of obviously satirical, but just a, just a, a rom. It's it's more of it's more of a it's less of a musical and more of a, a satire, but it it definitely has musical elements. Now, it, so. if you ever have a minute, which I'm sure you won't, it's not Young Frankenstein, but it's 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 not bad. Go ahead. If I ever had a if which you probably won't, but it's um, Woody Allen's. Everyone says I love you. I think that was done in the '90s, and that is is musical. And he cast non singers as and singing true um, classic Hollywood songs. Um, Edward Norton's in it. Drew Barrymore's in it. Goldie Hawn, Alan Alda, um, uh, Natalie Portman. Lots of singing, lots of dancing, and a very, I think it's a wonderful film. And I think that was done okay. in the 90s. Let's check that yeah. out. Okay. Everyone says I love you. So, so we're continuing in our Corvette. Yes. And we're going to go to 2001, where really musicals get a little bit of a revival. And that's through Moulin Rouge with Baz Luhrmann. Have, have you seen this recently? I, I, I saw it back in the day in the 2000s. And I tried rewatching it. Um, I'm not going to do really well in this in this 2000. That's thing. okay. I'll carry. But um, okay. the uh, Moulin Rouge. I I just want to go on record to say that I will watch Ewan McGregor read the phone book. So I am a huge. Do you think he has a nice voice? I do. I love that he sings for himself in that movie. I think he conveys a lot of emotion and. I think he interprets well. I saw him in another film um, where he's kind of loosely playing an Iggy Pop kind of character, and he sings in that, and I, he never disappoints me. He commits. Um, and I think that, you know, I don't think that... Um, I, uh, Nicole Kidman always commits to... It's just so frenetic that I I think that I wasn't in a good mindset to be watching it. Um, it was so... Not even an acid trip. I can't even say. <laughs> I it was so fast and not I just wasn't in a good mindset. My pandemic brain wasn't taking it in like it should. So Kinetic energy is a good way to describe it. It's it's all style, it's Baz Luhrmann, it's motion, it's energy, it's color, it's there's a, there's a lot happening and it's uncontrollable in a yeah. way that the energy is uncontrollable but that's also supposed to give you it's supposed to put you in the the, the feeling of that atmosphere and i think when Boslerman picks his spots i i think that type of style and, and really Boslerman is about style you, he's all about as soon as it starts yeah you you know but 
I think just the way that the costumings, I think that was a big win for this oh, movie. Oh, yeah. The costuming Stunning. Really cool. Stunning. But I loved, I loved the way they sampled different music, and it really seemed like with Grease, the songs came first, and then the story was kind of built around the songs. It, it seemed for this that they built the story first, and then they were like, oh, this, this sampling works well here. This sampling works well here. Oh, we're going to do uh, We Are Entertainers at, at this point. And then I really love that elephant love medley. The love lifts us up well. Oh, love. yeah. And, and it goes into, there's Beatles mixes in there. And there's, it's just this nice medley. And then um, how wonderful life is now you're in the world. And I just, I, I really like that sample. They really wove in the different, um, the different eras of music very well. I do. I completely agree with that. I was, I was always captivated by the, the music aspect it's just that mm-hmm. the dialogue just that that yeah the frenetic yeah. part was too much you get a little oversaturated yeah. with the style and it it is a little dizzying i that's what he's going for that it's you, you definitely have to be in a mood to watch it but i think if if you're somebody that likes a playlist i think this is definitely almost predating a playlist if you're kind of like a playlist person right. where we're just 20 seconds of a song and, and having them all kind of fit to a theme and then having that worked into a plot. I, I'm about it. I think almost almost 70 songs were sampled in this movie and I'm, I'm for it. And they just did a Broadway version they of did, it that yes. just came out. And I think it lends itself very, very well, well to, to the stage, stage production. Yeah. Typically, these are movies that are going from stage to, at my point in the beginning of our podcast, kind of trying to transition or adapt this the other way around, actually, with Moulin Rouge. So, and um, and Footloose. Fun. And Footloose. Going yeah. back for a minute. They, they did that on the stage, too, believe it or not. But I don't think our next movie really gets gets the momentum without Moulin Rouge kind of bringing it back. And that's uh, Chicago in 2002 oh, with Rob Marshall. Okay. How much time and do we have? I Yeah. You've, you've got about 10 minutes on Chicago. Okay. So go ahead. How do you feel about I Chicago? I loved Chicago and I saw that in the theater and I, and for anybody that's just listening to me for the first time, it's kind of the running joke that I don't see a lot of new film in the theater. I saw it when it came out. Um, I loved it beginning to end. I thought it was brilliantly done. Um, incredibly well cast. Uh, I thought everybody did a great job. Um, dancing, singing. I love, um, John C. Riley. like everybody, Kristen Bransky, Christine Bransky, um, everybody, there wasn't a weak link in that film. And Rob Marshall, being a choreographer, and I'm just going to preface with that, he knows how to choreograph a dancer. I mean, he's a choreographer, so he even knows how to do it for film. And it's not always successful for him because he also directed Nine, which I didn't see. But... um. Yeah, that was the one. It's with adapted from Broadway. Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, and I didn't see that, but he really—you can tell a Rob Marshall direction. He also did Into the Woods. He did, and that was successful. Yeah, and I loved Into the Woods. I loved it, and so I think that I do have. And Mary Poppins Returns. Oh, uh, which but I haven't have... seen. I do have a soft spot for Rob Marshall. 
And when he he won the Oscar, right? Yeah. So this won Best Picture, Best Director, and Catherine uh, was Zeta nominated for Best Actress, but Catherine Zeta won for Sabrina. Yes, and she who she steals the she movie. Totally she totally really steals it, and that is her. She stages Renee. That is her, and she's five months pregnant in that film, sir. So I she wow. she got her chops on the London stage when she was a kid. She started when she was probably fifteen, and she is incredible. I mean, I you know, she's star, star, glamour, star. And Renee, she did a great job. I mean, she's not a trained dancer. She's... No. And she gives you that 20s vibe. She's Renee Zellweger totally, definitely reads very 20s. And the best casting that I told you, I think I've talked to you about this before, is Richard Gere in that role, which people thought it was going to be a disaster. And guess what? He was incredible in that movie. Now, he probably, yeah. there are some shots in the film that are pullbacks where you're just looking at feet, tippy-tapping, and I'm thinking mm-hmm. it might be a stunt tapper, but I don't even care because he's just that shiny, you know, good-looking, but slimy, like just everything yeah. that that is supposed to be. He's so subtly good in a role that, that could easily be ruined. I thought he was incredible. I thought he was a surprise. The movie still... So I'll say it's not a demanding watch. It's very easy yes. to put this movie in. It doesn't really challenge you the way that Cabaret no. or Which is, something else is. It's it's more cotton candy. It, yeah. It's more grease than it is Cabaret, obviously. But it's... I will say that some of its themes when it comes to the paparazzi or the media... And how that can infiltrate our justice system and create an unfair advantage. And how the more famous you are, the the more leniency you're going to get. So, it, it, like, that's so obviously... So spot on. And, and it, it's so spot on. Or the fact that if you're already somebody of note, getting into some sort of uh, criminal behavior just makes you even more famous. And so I think those things, you know, that's only... Uh, heightened now with with the internet and in social media and everything like that but i think just the general premise of the movie also still plays in a strange way and even plays even better now than it did in 2002 i mean it's which is better to be famous or infamous i mean there's no such thing as bad publicity um at the the hunger of you know the the short attention span i mean the whole time uh, Richard Gere, you know, he's the his character is like this devil's advocate, but he's sort of like, don't worry about it. You know, they're gonna forget about this. This will be, mm-hmm. this will be over in a minute. And what could not be more true now? And Chicago is an older show. I mean, or Chicago's the pre-internet. fact that the fans, the fans of you will become apologists for your behavior if you're if you're somebody that's that that has fans, they start to. Justify, justify the or, behavior uh, or make apologies for your behavior and i think we see that oh, sometimes for sure. too for sometimes so, sometimes yeah. don't get me I mean, started I've, but i've got a lot of examples but we don't yeah, have the time for yeah that. but yeah so just i think just in general and then and then you bake in all of the all that jazz all the all well the it's phenomenal the numbers and, it's the fossey yeah. it's the candor and ab the the writing of candor and ab lyrically i mean you talk about songs i want to sing i mean i'd sing that whole mm-hmm. show right now if you'd let me but um cabaret is you know cabaret has candor and ab and they're very um 
the lyrics are very direct uh um the ranges are very simple so you can really belt out these songs and you know who else does a great job as queen latifah um as with the cleavage yeah well she's got a lot going on she's got a lot going on mm-hmm. but um yeah i mean she's just so mama morton they're all yeah. so good. Mama's good to you. Bum, oh, bum, I bum, just bum, and I I'm gonna say that when we get to La La Land, which we will, that La La Land's dance numbers would have totally benefited from Rob Marshall's direction. That is my opinion. But I'm getting okay. ahead of myself. So, cruising in our Corvette. Yes. Further into the sky. Yes. We're getting some good altitude now. Yes. Uh, 2005, Rent, we're just going to touch for oh, a second. Yes. A fantastic stage play. Movie is not really notable. I don't think anyone really thinks of the movie Mm-mm. when they think of this this show. It's 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 just a better show in general. But um, I was I, Anthony I in Was Anthony in the movie? Yep. So everyone is in the movie except for one person who Mimi Marquez is replaced by Rosario Dawson. Oh yeah, okay. So Rosario Dawson. Yeah, she is, was is in, in kids. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I did not see the movie. I was one of those people that waited in line and got the seats. Were you know I didn't wait the in line. At the Fisher Theater. My friend, or the Fox Theater. my friend waited in line. It was at the Fisher, and we went to see it. And of course, I wept for days. But um, yeah, I just I never saw the the film version. I've always wanted to be Roger and sing one song glory, one song glory, one song. But great, great, great musical. Oh, Not the greatest movie. No. Didn't really. It's it doesn't just translate as a, as a well. It's, it's, it doesn't translate. It's intimate. It's an intimate experience. So 2007, we get three musicals, all which are uh, all worthy of a mention here. Across the Universe, yes. which is the Beatles right. mashup, which I thought was very nice. Uh, we had Enchanted, yes, which was could Amy go in Adams. Our, could go in our Disney file, too. But love Enchanted. But love Enchanted. Enchanted's very fun. And it's got all of the she, homages to Disney. Uh, and Amy Adams is great. Speaking of Idina Menzel again. Yes. So Idina Menzel. And not and, even, doesn't sing a note. Doesn't sing a note in that. No. But she's well no, on her just way. A, but she's, yeah, she's very just in the Disney. Disney's getting her involved. They're um, already getting her going. You so. know, that's another one which we'll talk about uh, with getting involved with Disney that I didn't realize until I looked uh, was that Emily Blunt was in Into the Woods and then they kind of brought her in as Mary Poppins after that. So they're, Mm -hmm. but, um, you get, you get your warm-up shot. Yeah. And then, and then they, then they bring you into the fold. But, um, the, what, oh, across the universe, I watched, um, it, you know, because we were going to talk about this and I needed a point of reference. And I just want to say, I loved, it was almost like I was watching two separate films. So the beginning, that whole first section of the film, I'll refer to the first section. I loved, I loved the pacing. I loved the visuals. I loved the performances. I, 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 I thought, I thought, wow, I'm really loving this movie and I'm excited because you know me, I don't love modern films. So I was really into it. 
then Bono comes to town, and I was like, I got to get off this bus right yeah, now. Yeah, 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 I could not jump off of that bus faster. I mean, I lasted probably an additional 20 minutes into Bono, and I was like, where in the hell is this going? Where did my film go? Where did it go, Bob? I mean, well, that was Julie Taymor too. The director of that was the director of, of the Lion, of the Lion King. King. I know, yeah. and I know that she's a. She just, you know, she makes big chance, big choices. They were big choices, but it was just everything was just going along swimmingly, and then it just went. They're just, and I realize that they're on acid. You know, I get it. I'm not stupid, but it's like, what? I it just didn't make it. It was not. As soon as as soon as Bono jumped on, I was it was a different film. Okay. So that's how I felt. Well, but did you love we'll it? Move on the same way. It was. I thought it was okay. Uh, I think I think we've done enough on it. Uh, I wanted to get into once, which I loved. So once we were talking about how sometimes people have a problem with with the realism of what film does with the surrealism sometimes of what a musical is. And I think once, which for those who might not have seen this movie, it was an indie movie that was done by uh, Glenn Hansard, who is also, uh, he didn't direct this movie, but he kind of created the, the, the movie and it's been made into a musical on, on Broadway, but he uh, it's about, it's set in Ireland and it's about two people that kind of have a chance encounter. And really it's about how people can cross paths and, touch each other's lives forever uh, in, in different ways besides maybe just direct romance. And I think this movie really pulls off the realistic musical and also the low-budget charm of, of a romance, but it, it pulls it off because both the characters are musicians. And so when the music comes up in the movie, it comes up organically but it does a really good job in the same way that musicals do of expressing the characters' emotions, how they're feeling through their songwriting, and also does a really good job sometimes of giving exposition. Did you feel that too, I did, Julie? and I, I have to say that you explained that very eloquently and much better than I could have because basically <laughs> I thought to myself... Um, the quietness of the creative process and how they connected um, and just everyone that was around them. I mean, every the quietness of it and how impactful even through the, this, this quiet process. Um, and I'm really a sucker for films where they're not driving into the sky in the Cadillac at the end, where it's not yeah. all sewn up because life is messy and we make choices. And and it really did bring those two worlds of the realism of you affecting someone's life without, you know, getting the two of you getting swept up and going off into the sunset. I mean, I love You can it. affect someone's life. In, in different ways. And I think the, the piano as a gift it, uh, was a very fitting I goodbye. I was hysterical. But I was weeping like you do not know. I was... If you look at their arcs, it, it really makes sense. Because in, in a way, you know, he starts and, and he's out there playing covers in the street. And he is suppressing some of his artistic... Uh, not Due even, to not circumstance. Even his creative, 
but he's he's it's not even like he's not being creative he's just afraid to take risks right. and take chances and so at the you know when you when you think about him at the end of the movie and and you know he's like going to london and she's like that's great and he's created this album and she really like brings that out of him and in the same way by going through the experience with with him you know she's more interested in in fixing Her that family. broken relationship yeah. and so you know a lot of times audiences feel like they want you know that the two core characters to always be together but i think just there's there's different ways a relationship can be beautiful it and, worked. and i think the movie does a really nice job and i think the music does a really nice job to set that mood so it might not be necessarily the the greatest music even though i think falling slowly uh, out of all the movies that we've listed on here i think falling slowly might be in in the top three of, of songs that i like but i think that the, the music does a really good job to kind of communicate those I, uh, feelings as well. i loved the relationship of them with the other musicians when they're recording i love his relationship with his dad i yeah. love the subtlety of the the dysfunction of her relationship you know, it doesn't, mm-hmm. uh, you don't always have to be, it's, honestly. The guy's not always like Johnny being, Jerkface. Right, that's throwing, like throwing you down you the stairs. Right, yeah, and, and it's, different. it's like, for me, and I know I've been knocking Baz Luhrmann, but it's the complete polar opposite of Baz. You know, it's, yeah. you cannot um, not sit and just, uh, and immerse yourself in it. It's, it's, um, yeah. it's. It reaches out. It's more impactful. Oh my god, I I loved it. I loved it. And then I did more research, um, a little bit more on them as musicians and you know who they are as people and and I was kind of not making myself self important, but I was kind of amazed that I had not heard of it before you had told me about it. But yeah, yeah. So they had a really cool Oscar moment that. I wanted to notate too because they went for best Oscar and Glenn's giving this speech and then Marina, the the, the woman who wrote Falling Slowly, right. they won for best song. She goes to get on the microphone and in classic Oscars, they take you know they shut it down and they went to commercial and so people were kind of booing. And right after they came out of commercial break, the camera cuts to John Stewart and John Stewart in all of his brilliance goes, "Hey everybody, I hope this." isn't going to ruin our evening too much, but uh, this young woman did not get a chance to give her speech. So I just wanted to give her a moment to come out and say whatever she, she needed to say. And he, to a a grand applause, like she comes back out and they raise the microphone and they gave her, and they give her an opportunity. And she has this amazing speech if you haven't seen it, but she basically says, make art. She says, make art, no matter what, what the circumstance art is important, make art. And so I really that I wanted to end our conversation. I just just the movie in general was amazing, and then the the moment of them receiving the Oscars is, is in in lore to me. So just oh, just a big shout out to one. That was so good. It was so good. I I really I'm grateful to you for including that in the viewing list. And I yeah. I think that um, you know when you talk about. Uh, the the quietness i mean it's i think la la land was trying for that quietness you know and the relationship not being all sewn up and i got it so much more it's plot not the same but i i just the sincerity of that performance in that film their performances i just really felt i thought it was wonderful really nice yeah thank you i'm glad that you did and 
so a movie that's completely not like that uh, also happened in 20, uh, 2007, which is Sweeney Todd. Yes. I know that that was a little too grotesque well, for you, but yeah. what did you have to say about Johnny Depp? I, real quick, I, um, real quick I, it's, I've seen Sweeney Todd, a production on stage, and I have to tell you, I'm a huge Sondheim fan. I love the stage production of Sweeney Todd. I just, and I thought the film was beautiful. I just, I'm too sensitive in the gore department. And I know you had warned me that it was gory. And then I was reading, you know, Tim Burton, the main reason why. Because he's not a musical theater person. He doesn't like Mm -hmm. musicals. But he was drawn to Sweeney Todd because of its content. And he had seen the stage production over and over. And I just could not get past it. I I watched the the amount that I did I watched mostly through my fingers and the sound yeah. was so brilliant that I I was gored out just by the sound and so there's a very very uh the moment when he's shaving Alan Rickman and they shaving Alan Rickman when they sing pretty women and the two of them singing together, I loved. I I thought Johnny Depp's performance was what I saw of it. I gotta say that I thought he was. I thought he was good. I mean, Alan Rickman once again can read me the phone book. I'm gonna be upfront about that. I love him. I thought Sasha Baron Cohen. Sasha Baron Cohen. He's that was great casting. Um, and I loved um, Helena Bonham Carter with the little boy that was it, not a precious little boy singing. It was um, um, Not While I'm Around. I loved that. Not while I'm around. But I love that music. I mean, I love that play. Yeah. But I, the gore, I just, and that's not saying, I'm not saying it was a bad film. It's just, it's, I'm too sensitive. Like, I wouldn't be a yeah. good film critic. Because they'd be like, well, she won't be re- reviewing that this week because it's too gory. <laughs> too scary. <laughs> so, it's, I, I, I know I I'm doing say, myself a disservice. It's okay. It, it's not, not everything's for everybody. But I will say one thing I did hear is typically Sweeney's an older man. Yes. It's typically in his 60s. Yes. So they did have to scale everything back a generation. So if Johnny Depp's doing it in his 40s, that means that typically the, the young sailor is Johnny Depp's age, yes. but they had to make him kind of in his teens. Right. And then the young boy is actually generally in his like 20s or teens. And he's so a little boy. I know they had to kind of scale everything back, but I, I, I did like it and I, I found it uh, very entertaining. It's actually one of my more favorite Johnny Depp. And Johnny but... Depp does sound, uh, if you close your eyes and you listen to David Bowie singing and jo- Johnny Depp, if he... If I had him in a room right now and I said, okay, Keith Richards inspired your Pirates your uh, Pirates of the Caribbean character, David Bowie, if that isn't David Bowie singing that, I mean, he really did, uh, he took that vocal from David Bowie. May he rest in peace. Um, yeah, in peace. it was really kind of astounding because I was watching a lot of it with my eyes closed. So, yeah. so I was you listening. really listen in. <laughs> But I, it was so, beautiful too. I mean, beautiful to look at. If I could just get around the, the blood, I just it was you know 
I'm just a wuss. I couldn't deal I with really that. I really like the... I like I like what they did with Fuller Bassy. I really like Helena Bottom Carter. Oh, she's she so perfect. and you know he knows how to direct her. I mean, she's Anything just got and she that character is a character that's always you know it was played by Angela Just Lansbury. It. it was played it. by Patty yeah. Lapone. So yeah, everything was a little bit younger, but she really did a great job in that. I thought she did. I thought Tim really. He did himself proud with that because he, I don't think he, I wasn't a Willy Wonka guy person. So, yeah, I thought he did well. We're going to continue in the car on our, on our journey in the the Corvette, but 2012 Les Mis, we'll just touch this for a second. Um, Speaking of casting that didn't go all that well, uh, Anne Hathaway absolutely kills the, the one number yes. she has is Cosette yes. and the I Dream a Dream. And I think they, they nailed that. But just this movie will forever be marred by the casting of Russell Crowe as Javert. Yeah. And how, how terrible that went. Yeah. Uh, you had a young Eddie Redmayne, who actually I didn't think was bad in this. And uh, Little Fall of Rain, I, I thought was actually a nice moment. I think the movie was absolutely stolen by Samantha Barks, who was a who had done the show on Broadway a bunch, and she was Eponine, and uh, I thought that she definitely carried this in terms of interest and character after Anne Hathaway leaves the screen, which is early. She in, leaves in, really uh, early. And Ap- our cassette leaves early. I so. didn't I didn't see this film, and I it came out, at, I think, Christmas Day, and a friend of mine um, who goes to the movies on Christmas Day called me, and she said... Um, she said, do you want to go see Les Miserables? And I said, you know, I, what kind of, I, no, I, I, I didn't go to see it in the theater and I've seen it on stage several times. I saw it on Broadway and I, you know, it's another one of those things. Like, do I want to be, to have a stomach ache for 48 hours after I'm in the theater? <laughs> you know, it's, you take, you go to see this as an emotional experience and, and to think and all these different things, but I just wasn't in the mood to, to see it. And then all of this stuff kept coming out about how, you know, um, that, that casting of, um, of Russell Russell Crowe was off. And, and I thought, yeah, I'm just not going to do it. I just want to say that those two songs, um, Eponine's, major song and Cosette you really it's like a built-in Oscar <laughs> when you have yeah. those songs it's pretty much um if you screw that up you've got to be really untalented so mm-hmm. it's full of drama full of you know everything that a great song needs so yeah, and Anne Hathaway. She definitely delivered. She definitely delivered. Anne Hathaway, yeah, she's wonderful, and she also has stage and music background, and she's a Disney girl, by the way. So Disney lady. Yeah. So we'll continue our ascent. That movie also a little famous for just having them sing live. I think that was a yeah. Big they thing sang with live. Cooper. Yeah, they suffered through all of the weather and the the all of that. Yeah. So it looked like so. they were really suffering a lot. And I don't know if you can tell me if the, um, who were the um, master of the house people? Oh, it was Helena Baum Carter oh, okay. and that makes sense. Sasha Baron Cohen. Okay, that so. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So did they yeah. steal it? 
They were great. Yeah. Yeah. That's another scene stealer. Very fun. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll uh, we'll wrap up with La La Land here. 2008, uh, 2016, sadly, will likely be remembered by the mistaken Oscar Reed. Yeah. By... It, wasn't it was Faye Dunaway, Faye Dunaway, and Warren Beatty. Beatty. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's interesting to me when we talk about La La Land because nobody talks really, at least in my circles, about loving this movie. And it's a very lovable movie, and I actually think there's a lot of... It's just, in internet day, I think there's a lot to like about this movie, and I think it's very charming, but the way that internet backlash happens sometimes, where they say, oh, you know, this guy's really into jazz, but he's a white guy, and, you know, just people start to poke holes and stuff a lot more it's, now than than they did back in the day but when I we want to when we just want to say lighten up lighten up yeah even though we're absolutely poking holes in Greece so yeah, we're hypocrites I, I but I think that the thing about La La Land um that I I did enjoy it once again I did see it in the theater um and I I do know about that stuff on the internet about that, you know, the character, Ryan Gosling's character, um, has kind of a white savior kind of thing going on. Like mm-hmm. he's going to start this jazz bar and hire jazz musicians that are black to play in the, you know, all of these different yeah. themes. And I was trying to just enjoy La La Land for its, for its homage because this young man, his name is it Damien Chazelle. Damien Chazelle, yeah. He once, did. He did that crazy whiplash. Like he's a little. Whiplash, he's a young. He's a young guy that's doing these emotional, uh, incredible things. But um, I felt like it. There were things that. Um, that I'm just sort of picking at mainly because I'm comparing it to the um, the genre that he's paying homage to. So I don't think it's really fair to him. But I said to you earlier about Rob Marshall really understands choreography and I'll, that opening scene when they're in traffic and they, you know, Another that big buff. Bafo scene. The the way that that is staged and the way that it's choreographed and the way that it's photographed is clearly like there are so many things that could have been done that would have made it more effective. And everybody's like, oh, that scene's so great. And I always think to myself, it could have been so much better. But um, I thought that Emma's performance was wonderful. I really thought she was really great in it um and i thought he was good i you know they danced as much as they're capable of dancing which was fine for what yeah that was the big thing was that they weren't classic singers and so no i loved that i loved that they weren't i didn't think that was necessary and if you know okay so damien chazelle is preoccupied with a particular director from the 60s um uh, Jacques Demy, who was part of the French New Wave, and he did these really bright musicals, but they had different undercurrents that at times were dark. Like Umbrellas of Cherbourg is, if you watch Umbrellas of Cherbourg, which I really encourage you to do, it's an opera. They sing through the entire thing, and they're not singers. It's Catherine Deneuve and this other wonderful young man, and they sing, everybody sings the dialogue through the entire film. But 
the way, if you look at that film, you're like, oh my God, I'm watching La La Land. This is crazy. I mean, it was a little more than an homage. It was, you know, kind of an imitation. But um, he cops to that. Uh, Chazelle says that he's heavily influenced by this director. Um, so the look of it, I loved. Um, there were these things in it that people were picking at that I thought, you know, it's a musical. Come on, you guys. Like, you know, I, yeah. it just... I think, because she's... I, I really like the audition song. Oh, yeah, yeah. That she does, I think. But it, it is kind of tough. It's tough sometimes to... It's like, oh, Emma Stone. It, there's just too much life-imitating art, and I think people couldn't get past it, where it's like, yeah, Emma Stone, talk to me about how hard it's been for you to make it in Hollywood when you've basically <laughs> been super successful since you were 12. Right, right. And I just think there's a lot of that going on. There was with, a lot of criticism, like, oh, she's mm-hmm. upset because she doesn't get these this audition, you know, try being a real actress and getting rejected. Yeah, exactly. Either. But I think just if you're if you just want to go into the spirit, it's got a great look. It's it's really well executed. I mean, this guy is is the future of filmmaking, and and Young. I think the story moves along. You get invested in the relationship. They're really good. They've they've done a few movies together, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, you know, Crazy Stupid Love, and stuff like that. But they 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 have an incredible uh, rapport with yeah. each other. I think just in general, the 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 movie was really well done, and and I just think you almost would rather it just lose outright. It, it it's really tragic the way that, that that's kind of what the story it'll be of go, that movie now. What it'll is, go yeah. down as, and um, I think that with um, with their relationship, like I said to you before, in the traditional Hollywood musical spirit. That he turns the table because it's, you know, he, the relationship, it's everybody's like this collective, oh my God, what is happening at the end? And that's what you, it's that element of surprise and heartbreak and making choices. Mm-hmm. And so he's got those two things. He has the fantasy aspect mixed with, yeah with that, you know, the, how we are a sum total of the choices that we make. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, John Legend, he's like this person that can do absolutely no wrong. And I think he's musically incredible. And I, and I was surprised at how natural he was on camera. I just wasn't a huge fan of that role. And I, I don't, I can't really put my finger on it right now until I watch it again. But, um, I haven't watched it since it was in the theater, but I did, I was very, very moved by, um, by the performances and that little how old I mean I don't want to be insulting to Mr. Chazelle but he's what is he is he your age is he 35 yeah. what how old is why he why are you making me feel like a jerk <laughs> I'm just what are you saying <laughs> Mozart I wonder if Mozart, he's listening to this podcast Mozart. going wow look this podcast is so great how old is this guy <laughs> I'm you know, it's it's my role as your aunt to make you feel like crap. No, make me feel I'm like just a loser. No, Damien. How Damien did he Chazelle. get this gig? Like, yeah, he's he was born in 1985, so he's one year older than me. And that whiplash is wow. Yeah. Gosh. Anyway. Yeah. Some people got it going. I. You've got it going on, sweetie. Oh, well, thanks for. We've been on. We've been talking for two and a half hours. Two hours. <laughs> 
Well, we'll 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 cut it there. We'll give a shout out to Star Is Born. They basically had one great musical number in that, which was the 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 shallow and the shallow. Yes. Uh, fantastic I, uh, song. But can I go interrupt ahead, go ahead. again? Real quick. You okay, eight real seconds. Qu- real quick. I the other musicals that I was supposed to watch, I felt like I was in rehab because it was like Rocket Man. Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody, and then watching Bradley Cooper come unglued, I just was, I just, I didn't finish Star is Born. I'm just going to go. <laughs> I didn't okay. But I, I really liked Star is Born. The, the back half of the movie leaves some to be desired. We've also talked at great length about that with the Bradley Cooper podcast, and we have a Star is Born episode, so if yeah. you want any feelings on that, you can dig through the catalog. Yeah, they can dig through the catalog. I listened, so I know. Mm -hmm. But I thought Bradley... We've had a lot of conversation on it. Yeah. He really did a lot of work musically. I give him a lot. Tell me something. Yeah, going from, what was he in? The the Hangover? The the Bus Boy? What was that movie he was in? Hangover. And now here he is. He's like, he's a big star. He's made it. So I love the Dave Chappelle monologue in that movie. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll play you guys out with a little bit of a, a little bit of that. Of that. Bit of, yeah. Always, yeah. I'll and, always remember you this way, and Dave Chappelle. Um, um, it's just as always. It's been a joy, and I cannot wait for the world to see my face. Yes. All we'll over the internet. <laughs> Welcome to the Fias Timers Club, and I'm excited for our Disney conversation. It's an honor. It's an honor. And please stay safe and stay well. And and everybody, you know, it's it's a long haul, but it's all going to be worth it. We just need to stay Wash healthy. your hands. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Like and subscribe. You know, priorities. And yeah, even more important than those priorities. things, like and subscribe. I Great. love you, Boo. All right, Thank Julie. you so much. Love you, too. I'll talk to you soon. See you later. Bye. Bye. This is the Bye-bye. first time I'm worried about you. Maybe she's a way out. You know, it's like... I don't know. You, you float out. Float out of sea, and then one day you find a port. Say I'm going to stay here for a few days. A few days, it comes a few years. And then you forgot where you were going in the first place. And then you realize you don't really give a shit about where you was going because you like where you're at. <laughs>